I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, we have not recorded in about two weeks. I was on vacation. You had some family stuff going on. And uh, in that time, the Mets were an astounding 3-10, finding new ways to lose every single day, it seems, not being able to pick up any momentum, and just generally being sad. And... You know, you and I have been Mets fans for long enough to remember some sad Mets seasons, some bad Mets seasons. But this season has a particular flavor to it that feels very different than other bad Mets seasons of recent memory. This one, to me, feels like 1992, which is the one that was immortalized in The Worst Team Money Can Buy, the book by Bob Clappish and John Harper. And that team had a huge payroll, big expectations, and they just could not get out of their own way and win any ball games. And that's what this team feels like. This is a different kind of painful to watch, and I'll argue a worse kind of painful to watch than atrocious seasons like, you know, the 2010 season or, you know, any season in the teens that wasn't 15 or 16. It just feels different to me. Does it feel different to you as well? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. There's just an ongoing sort of state of disbelief. That's how I would describe it. 
you see these guys out there, you know what they're capable of, or at least you, you thought you did. Uh, and certain things like the middle to back of the bullpen, you can look and say, all right, more was needed in the offseason than what they did. Uh, but overall, you're just looking around and, and, and you think, this team can't be this bad. And that's even with Verlander and Scherzer having you know, higher ERAs than I think anybody would have expected out of them so far this year. Um, uh, it, it's just kind of remarkable. They're truly finding ways to lose. Um, no lead feels safe. If it's a close game, you feel like it's an absolute guarantee that they're going to find a way to lose it because that's all they've been doing. Um, yeah, I, I just to to have them be this stacked on paper coming into the season and be now ten games under as we record, possibly eleven by the time you hear this. Um, I, I don't know. I, I did, sort of at a loss for words, and I don't know what you can do to turn it around. I, I I've been saying for weeks now uh, this team needs. I think maybe. In May, I might have said like a six or seven game winning streak. Now they need a ten game winning streak to uh, to be relevant, and they won two games in a row once in the entire month of June. Uh, <laughs> the idea of a ten game winning streak sounds so incredibly impossible. Yes, and uh, I think the talent is there to do that, but uh, I don't know. It, the, well, that's the, the, to me that is the question is that is the talent there to do that i think both of us believe that on paper yes absolutely the talent is there but what exactly isn't the talent doing that can be turned around like to me there, there there's there's two parts to that question right there's is the talent there yes well what can the talent do to win and that's what i don't know the answer to this right. isn't as simple as so and so is slumping when so-and-so gets back to their normal form, things will be better. It's not they need one more starting pitcher. So at the trade deadline, they're going to go out and trade a start for a starting pitcher, and then it'll be fine. Or they need a, a shutdown closer. Or they need I, – I, I honestly don't know what this team needs. If you look at it, there's not going to be a starting pitcher out there that is better on paper than Verlander or Scherzer or possibly Senga. You know, Carrasco right. has turned it around a little bit. He's not looking so bad. They're getting Quintana back soon. So starting pitching may not be the answer here. Now, they do need bullpen help, yes, but everyone in the bullpen is fucking up right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's not like there's, you know, they're missing one piece. Like, Adovino has had a couple of bad starts, uh, bad appearances. Uh, Robertson gave up a home run last night that, that led to them losing the game. Um, no, he didn't give up the home run, did he? Um, I I thought he did, but um, uh, I guess I guess he did. I don't know. Why I'm the, I I'm Grant Hartwig gave up another lost one of the games for them this week. Um, it just seems like they they maybe the answer is they need an entirely new bullpen. But even with an entirely new bullpen, I just don't know if this team wins ten games in a row right now. Right. I just I just I don't know what to do. I I think the and I am at the point now where I feel like the answer is they have to they have to become sellers. That's that's my thing. 
they they need to sell off all the parts that they can get something for that won't necessarily help the team uh next year you know yeah and to me that look i mean tommy fam is the obvious choice and how tommy who'd have thought we'd be sitting here talking about tommy fam like good trade chip yeah but, <laughs> uh tommy fam they have to trade i think they probably have to trade robertson they maybe have to trade Ottavino. I guess this is the time to, to find out if the Drew Smith future closer talk we've heard for a few years can be something. Um, you know, uh, so maybe maybe that's what you do until you know for the rest of the season until Diaz is back next year. Um, if you can get anything for Vogelback, you trade Vogelback. If you can get anything for Canna, you trade Canna or, or Marte. But I don't know who you get for those three guys. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, Marte has just been, I mean, he was so good last year, so essential to the team's success. And last night when he gets caught stealing as the tying run on first base is a pinch runner, it's just like, oh, man, <laughs> of course. Of course that happens. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, and we love Mark Canna. And, uh Look, Tommy Pham for all the negativity surrounding, you know, him both in terms of player performance uh, and what could be expected of him and uh, known incidents like the slapping incident over fantasy football on the field. <laughs> the, the, the vibe around that acquisition was not... Uh, not great. <laughs> yeah, no, it was not great. But as a Met, he hasn't done it, it, nothing other than just go out and perform haven't heard a bad thing of, you know, it, there's, there's been nothing on, on the fields. Um, he's just been everything they could have dreamed of and more. And you would think if you were getting that out of him, and like you look down the, the leaderboard, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to put this all on McNeil. Um, but I think it's a combination of McNeil and Marte being, as bad as they are and so one-dimensional i mean both of them have isolated and slugging it's actually identical at the moment uh 0.076 and they're not pete alonzo they're not francisco alvarez who himself has been in a you know sort of mired in, in a slump now for yep almost a month but um compared to their career numbers mcneil I know he sort of tweaked his approach and was never going to be that guy who was hitting 20-something home runs like he did in 2019. Um, but for the most part, the tweaked version of him was excellent and, and hitting for average, getting on base a lot, and and still some pop in his bat, uh, you know, not as much. Uh, but for him and Marte to just be pretty close to one-dimensional players, at least as hitters, um, I don't know how you overcome that. Like right now, you take a snapshot and you say, yeah, Lindor and Alonzo should be hitting better than they are overall. And they both have low batting averages. And I, I, I don't know if we have anyone who listens to our, our, our podcasts uh, who's super into batting average. I, I would tend to guess that that's not uh, a top priority, but sure. You know, if anybody is, and you look at it and you go, oh, they're hitting 217 to 225, like, what do you mean they, that they're only a little bit off? But um, 
the power has been there. Like it's crazy that Alonzo and Lindor are both on pace for hundred RBI seasons. Um, to use you know another very traditional stat, but if you said that Tommy Pham was going to have, I don't know, maybe his best year as a hitter in his career. Brandon Nimmo would be essentially himself and Alonzo and Lindor would drive in a hundred runs each. And Francisco Alvarez was going to come into the season and hit at least 20 home runs. I mean, assuming he gets out of the slump and starts hitting some again. Right. If you said all of that was going to happen. Uh, and even if you said all of that's going to happen and Justin Verlander is going to miss a month. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you would, have thought that things were going reasonably well. And I don't want to discount the absence of Quintana or um, the suspensions of Scherzer and, and Drew Smith for sticky stuff. And uh, there's been other things that have come up that you throw at this team. But if you just said those sort of top level things um, at the end of March, I think you would absolutely expect that the Mets were in a playoff spot. Yeah. And I just don't know. I, I don't know where to put it. And, and hey, credit to Steve Cohen for getting out there publicly and um, just explaining where he's at with everything. I I don't know if I would have the patience. And, and you, I think we both tend to be more patient than maybe the average fan. Uh, I don't know if I'd have the patience to just sit here and watch this and not change anything um so yeah here here we are i don't think ronnie mauricio for example saves the season but i do think that what they've got uh they should be a little more aggressive and just trying different things uh you know whether whether it's trading players away uh which i think they absolutely should do um especially in the case of some veterans, which is pretty much everybody you mentioned. I just don't want to see somebody get hurt. Like, I don't think the return they're going to get is that much different today than it would be um, 30 days from now. But when you're talking about a bunch of players over 30, and as a longtime defender of that group of players... Yes, you are. Uh, I can acknowledge that there's a higher injury risk for guys uh, who are older... And it might be wise to make some of those moves. Uh, I, I feel like the trade deadline for the Mets is the all-star break. Interesting. Really, like you, you get to a spot here where it's like, okay, June was just awful. Um, you've got eight games before the break. I don't know, show me show me seven and one or or six and two right show me show me something like that and if it, anything less than that let's start talking about deals over the break um because what you're gonna you're gonna come out of the break and play the Dodgers I mean the White Sox are a train wreck in, in their own way uh, yep you're gonna play the Dodgers White Sox Red Sox Yankees and tell me that you go into that national series at the end of the month feeling good and trading four players. Um, I don't see any chance of that if this isn't something like a near perfect stretch going into the uh, 
All-Star Game. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So here's what I want to talk about now. I want to talk about Steve Cohen's press conference because, you know, and we're not going to go beat by beat through it because that's not worth anything but cohen came out and said listen i'm a patient guy for now the gm and the manager are safe it's on the players is that a fair thing to say i'm not saying it is or it isn't i'm I'm, i want to hear your opinion on this because on one hand i do think that he is saying the right thing he did not call out any particular player he said you know the team needs to play better on the other hand the GM and the manager are there to construct a team both in the abstract and also in the daily lineup and, you know, ins and outs and all of that, that optimize the players that they have to make that team the best they can be. So is it fair that Cohen singled out the players? Probably not entirely fair, but I I guess it's not that different from the spirit of what we have been talking about you know, over the last few minutes here that it's um, there's just no, there was no rational uh, way of looking at this team that would have had them being this bad, but it, that, but they are. So, <laughs> so, so that, that's where I don't know if change for the sake of change is always a good thing. Um, I think the circumstances are not necessarily like a one-to-one comparison with Joe Girardi last year in Philly and Buck Showalter this year with the Mets, but it is an example of something you could uh, use 
to say, hey, look, things were going really bad and the team was underperforming and they made a change and all of a sudden they they turned things around. I don't know who the person is to come in uh, and do that, but yeah. I, like we got to the point that Francisco Lindor cut his hair down to like a buzz cut just to try to change something. Right. <laughs> and it was like, uh, like it, what a perfect um, microcosm of how the Mets season has felt. Yeah. Like the team's so bad that you made Francisco Lindor cut his hair. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, he's someone who I, from the day he's come into the organization, uh, you know, I mean, he's, Dyed a bunch of fun colors. It's been a big part of his sort of identity as a player uh, in, in a Mets uniform. Um, so yeah, that that that's where we're at. And I just don't know without making changes. How do you how do you expect anything different out of this group? Well, that's exactly my point. Is that first of all, look, I, I think Buck Walters is doing a bad job as a manager. He is. He's not being a very effective manager. I don't know how much of that is his fault. But he's not he's not being very effective right now. And not that Buck is always like the most um uh, he, you know, he, his his tone is relatively similar whether they're doing poorly or doing well. He laughs a little bit more if they're doing well, but he's not the most uh effervescent, like happy go lucky manager during press conferences, right? But he looks fucking miserable right now. Like, even for a guy whose general state is like a little cranky, he looks miserable right now. Yeah. He, you know, he is he is not happy here. Just just get rid of him, man. He's he's not the guy. He's not the guy for this team. That breaks my heart because I like Buckshaw Walter as a person. He seems like a good dude, good baseball guy. I wish he had a chance to win one. Last year he was excellent for the Mets. He doesn't have it this year. And I don't think he's the answer for next year. Get rid of him. Just do it now. Save everyone some misery and just do it now. Um, yeah. And I think that sends a message that I'm not going to sit by and just let nothing happen. I mean, right. fuck, I would trade. I would get rid of Billy Epler if there was anybody who they felt could do the job for half a season. But I don't know who that person is. And I really think they want Epler around in case he has some Otani juice in him. Because he was part of the Angels when he came over. Yeah, you know that <clears throat> that makes sense. I guess I, I, I'm not like I don't know president of the Epler fan club or anything, <laughs> but I, I think there needs to be some accountability uh, for for when things go this wrong. But at the same time, I could look and say, hey. Uh, Everyone was thrilled with the offseason. Uh, everybody sort of understood some of the higher risk parts of it. Uh, obviously, you could definitely judge some of his uh, trades different uh, differently. Uh, some people hated on him in the moment, so credit to them. But <laughs> <laughs> but you could you could look back and say uh, maybe they could have fixed JD Davis and. Um, I don't know the the Vogelback trade. I, I I would I still have a hard time getting too worked up over. Me but, too. Me too. Uh, you know, it's there's stuff there to criticize, uh, but overall, between the funding that was provided by Cohen and the moves that they made 
with Epler, you know, the, in that spot in the front office, um, it it felt like everybody thoroughly approved of his off season. And now that it's gone very wrong, everybody wants him gone. Uh, and, and I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's fair. Um, it is weird that. Go ahead. Finish your thought. And then I'm going to defend my, uh, my position here. Yeah. It, it is weird that like it's taken this long to have the idea that just out there that, Hey, we want a president of baseball operations, but now we're what two and a half years in, and still don't have one. It, it that that part is odd. Um, yeah, but but yeah, focus. Uh, finish your thought on Epler before we get into sort of the more hypothetical uh, Mets situation. <laughs> so here is my Epler thought. Epler as a as a GM, and look, I, I know it's not as simple as just you have Cohen's checkbook. You can do what you want. But at a certain point, free agent signings is just you have Cohen's checkbook, you can do what you want. And so I don't know how much of Epler's finesse or talent or insert word here led to Verlander and almost led to Correa, et cetera, et cetera. Epler wasn't hired until, was it January of 22? I think so. So, like, he didn't bring in Canna. He didn't bring in Escobar. You know, the one trade that I think Epler was a part of, maybe, was the Lindor trade? He was, right? He was definitely part of Lindor trade. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. That was the... No, that, the, that was that was the Sex Pest guy. <laughs> yeah. The dynamic duo of Sex yeah. Pest and, uh, you know, I guess officially uh, acquitted, but still charged with falling asleep drunk at yes. the wheel. Yes. Um, um in white plains yes um whose name is totally out of my head now zach scott zach scott there it is yeah so like i you know in terms of actual gming trading for people doing the player development you know helping the player development pipeline along by promoting and and whatever he kind of fucked up bringing up alvarez last year saving it for the very end of the season when the pressure was on him he kind of fucked up by not starting Alvarez in the majors this year. He kind of fucked up by signing two catchers to two-year deals this year. He kind of fucked up by trading away J.D. Davis. Like, there's a lot of things you could say that he did that were that were not good. The things that he did right are almost all just checkbook things. And I think, look, I couldn't do that. But any competent front office person with Steve Cohen's backing could have gotten the signings that he got. I don't think it's that. I don't think he's that special in that way. Mm. And so all I can really judge him on are the trades. And those, as we've established, have not been very good. So I don't know what the, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what he brings to the table that someone else wouldn't bring to the table right now. And look, he was part of the uh, Matt Harvey shit show, the way that was all handled in in uh, in uh, Anaheim as well. You know, I just, I don't know. The guy just, he doesn't seem like the guy to me. He doesn't seem like the one to make this happen. And they wanted a baseball, a president of baseball operations. We talk about that in a second. Like, they knew need an entire shakeup of that front office. 
And I don't see how you do that with Epler still there. Unless Otani is the move. If they really think, if they have information that Otani will come to the Mets and Epler's going to be a part of that, then I understand bringing in a president of baseball operations and leaving Epler as the GM for one more season. But yeah. Yeah, I don't no, no, know. That, that, that is all very logical. Uh, maybe maybe they've just beaten me down to the point that... <laughs> that, that I, I mean, I care... Uh, dedicated listeners to this podcast. I do. I do care. <laughs> um, there, there's a level of, of sort of just checking out. I mean, I think over the last several years, I've gotten to a point where the Mets don't stress me out when they struggle the way they did when, sure, you know, sure. when I was a, a younger fan. Um, but there, this is some true relaxation that they've got going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a point this week that I said, "I'm, I'm curious." I, and, hey, I, I have to actually say, let, let's shout this guy out because he had the best game of his season, and his season's been a nightmare. But it was the day um, that David Peterson started, right? Yes, and he, yeah. He goes out. He has a great Good start. Yeah, uh, one of the very few games they've won since we last re- talked. Uh, on the podcast and going into that day, I said to multiple people that I am genuinely curious to tune in and see how they'll lose. And then I saw that he was the starting pitcher and I was like, damn it. They even took that away from me. Uh, <laughs> so sorry, David Robertson, uh, Peterson, uh, too many, too many Davids. Uh, sorry, David Peterson. Uh, excellent start. One of the very few good things that's happened recently. Um, but I am generally not one to be negative about the Mets, regardless of uh, the reality. And for me to get to a point that I'm watching for comedy, um, I don't know, just not the best. Yeah, I I completely hear that. And uh, yeah, I, I guess what what bothers me about this season in a way that hasn't bothered me in the past, or it has, just in a different way, is that if there needs if there needs to be a, a bad Mets season, I want to learn stuff from that season. So, like, for instance, this year, I know he, I know both are, slug, are struggling a little bit right now, but I think both, both Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez have proven they're major league players this season. I have learned that from this season. And I'm thankful for that bit of knowledge. I also want to know who from the bullpen is for real, of the, of the young players. I'm not learning that now because Buck is still relying on the guys that are that are older. You're still getting Adovino and Robertson in high leverage situations. And I understand why you're doing that in Brooks Raley, etc. That's who I trade. I trade Brooks Raley tomorrow. Um you're never going to get a higher return for him than you're getting to get right now. And he's uh, a homophobe. So get him the fuck out of here. Um, but, you know, I would just I feel like they're not learning the lessons this season that will help them down the road. Yeah. If, and that's if it's going to be a bad season, then let it be a bad season and learn some shit from it. Try some things. Be bold. And they're not going to be bold. And the last thing I want to talk about with this 
is because I'm getting too depressed talking about this. Um, <laughs> but is this it for the season? Like, I know you said that they have to have a really good All Star, a, a good time between now and the All Star break to even consider not being sellers. But even if they did that, is the best case scenario them sneaking into the third wild card right now? Probably. And if that's the case, is it worth selling? Is is it worth moving useful pieces that could be useful in the future to try to buy to get to that point? Yeah, yeah, no, probably not. I I think it would be more of a standing pat kind of situation. Uh, You know, maybe adding a player to who you really aren't giving anything up for um, kind of thing. But there are two teams that are over 500 that are not in playoff spots right now. Uh, The the Phillies and the Brewers. Uh, And that feels like a bit of a problem when you're 10 games under 500 (laughs) and looking at at trying to sneak in. Uh, It's kind of amazing how the Mets and Giants just traded places in the middle of their series against each other. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember talking about that series at the time. The Giants did not have a good record. Um, you know, the Mets go in, they win the first two and, and are on the verge of having one of the best West Coast road trips in franchise history, right? And and then they lose the last two. Um, and things just have not been the same since. And at the time, the Giants felt like a team that was, um, I mean, when the Mets beat them in the first two, the Giants were six and 13. Yep. And now they're 46 and 36. And at at that same point in time, the Mets were, hold on. I want to see if I made a perfect comparison without even like realizing (laughs) (laughs) where the Mets, uh, exactly the inverse first two, so first two wins in San Francisco, the Mets were fourteen and seven, and 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 the Giants were uh, again uh, six and thirteen. So that's pretty damn close. And now yes, the Giants are ten over, and the Mets are ten under. Uh, just what happened? What what like what baseball force descended upon whatever the branding of that stadium is now? <laughs> and it, it sucks. Like without getting into a whole thing about the corporate naming of venues, um, it, it sucks that one of the best ballparks in baseball, I haven't been there yet, but it is great. Francis, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. But at least in Pittsburgh, it's just been the same bank the whole time. Like, yes. And that, and, and that's a, that's a very <laughs> famous Pennsylvania area bank. So like it is, it is regionally appropriate as well. Even if it's still corporate bullshit, it's like everybody right. in Pennsylvania has a PNC account, right? It's like, a, it's just a thing. So. Right, right, yeah, but yeah. So um, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but something. Uh, maybe it was just JD Davis faced his former team, and that's it. The baseball gods decided that for some reason <laughs> they were destined to be on completely opposite paths. But here we are, um, and I don't. I don't see that reversal happening. Yeah, again, but yeah, but yeah. So I guess I would. Yeah, it it feels like this is this is it for this version of this team. I think you know they obviously have the 
financial backing to turn things around very quickly. Yes. Um, you know, you, if, if you do something like bring in Otani, then you've completely changed the dynamic of your franchise. Um, I, I think he's going to be great at what he does for a very long time. He's probably having his best season of his career right now. Oh, yes. They're going to overpay because of how good this season is. Right. Well, I mean, like anybody is. Yes. Any, exactly. Whoever it is. Yes. Yeah. But um, look, I, I'm all for it. Uh, the one thing I don't want the takeaway. So I guess my last thought on, on the Mets for today, um, learning things uh, would be great. And I, and it is frustrating to, to not be learning some of the things that, that you mentioned, but I also don't want there to be takeaways like spending money on elite players is bad. Like right. I, don't, yes. I, don't want, Agreed. I don't want that to come out of this either. Um, so hopefully they do everything they can to figure out a little bit more about the players that they have who, who they who are younger, who they don't know, and they don't walk away scarred and, and just cutting payroll um, right. for, for the sake of it to try to avoid those, those high salaries. Because again, as we've said dozens of times, it is Steve Cohen's money. Uh, who cares? <laughs> he has yes. it. He's willing to spend it. Whatever. I think that maybe the only way that this season could have been worse, and who knows, but I think if they actually wound up with Correa, and he's having this, he's he's having a an underperforming season right now, right? I think that's the only way the season could have been worse, because <laughs> that that then that would have been even more money for an even less effective team. But you don't know how, right. you, you don't but you don't know what that would have been. You don't know how he would have played in New York. I, I'm I'm recognizing it's not a one for one thing, but I think people would just be so tired of of uh of uh you know it would be it would be it would be even more glaring how how much money they spent for how few wins they've ratcheted up so far. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it would have only added fuel to that anti payroll fire exactly so. yeah yeah well chris um let's talk about some happier stuff what is your music pick for this week so i am a few years late to this band uh i believe they played a desert days that i was at but it was one of those things uh, where i just didn't catch their set mm-hmm. um in in the first couple of incarnations of that festival when we went it, it would be music from like 1130 in the morning or noon until three or four in the morning. I don't remember what year they played, what time they played, whatever the case, I did not catch them. Uh, but I finally saw idols live, uh, recently they were supposed to play. Uh, it was part of the same, uh, sort of mini festival touring thing. And it was three days and they were like alternating which slate of bands was in which nearby city. Um, so I was in Boston that weekend, uh, but it was the same series that happened at Forest Hills. And uh, I'm not into LCD sound system, but each headliner curated their day uh, and they had put idols on uh, their day. So they were playing nearby and we were there and it was like, all right, screw it. Let's find the cheapest tickets we can on StubHub and just, uh, just go. And it wound up getting rained out and sort of 
deflated the the spirit of the entire day. And then I just had this feeling based on the the type of band that Idols is that they might pop up and and play somewhere that night. And sure enough, they did. Um, they played like a 500 capacity venue and started officially. It was going to be at 11:30, but actually started about 12:30 and just played an awesome set. I was hooked, blown away, all all that stuff that you can be. Uh, and the record after this very roundabout explanation <laughs> the record i'm recommending is brutalism which is uh their you know their first album uh, probably the consensus best thing they've done uh and uh, you know i've liked what i've listened to from the more recent stuff but the, the songs that stood out from the show uh are from that record and they hit almost as hard on the record as they did live which is a, a very high compliment because they were just an, a, a fun intense band uh, you know, to see. So yeah, it's to me, I, I hate getting into like genre and subgenre labeling and all that. It gets, it, 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 you look at anything written about this band and then it's like, well, they're not just punk, but I've always thought that punk didn't just mean you sound like the Ramones, which, right. That, you know, obviously with the name of this podcast, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about tomorrow, the World Series. Um, no, today your love, next year, the World Series, maybe we should change the title of the show. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I've always thought punk could be a lot of different uh, things. And, and uh, to, to quote the Minutemen, punk rock is what you make of it. So what was what, what, what we made it rather punk rock is what we made it so there you go yeah yeah, yeah. i hate i hate to like bring this uh reference into play but like you, you know it if you hear it yes <laughs> it's sort of my approach to any genre of music so to me idols are a pretty fucking great punk band uh i don't regret that i took a little bit longer to find my love for them uh that just happens sometimes with bands but i'm very very happy to have seen them uh, i've listened to brutalism several times uh since that show and uh if if you like me have heard the band referenced but not given them a chance yet just throw that record on uh and if it's the type of music you like at all i think you will enjoy that experience yeah uh, this is a band i have only heard like songs in the wild from i have never sat down and listened to one of their records front to back so i need to do that and I will gladly do that this week. So thanks for the recommendation, Fred. Yeah. Um. So I uh, I love musicians that are everywhere. Like I when you when you learn about them, like oh that guy played on that. Oh and he played on that too. Oh and this is the thing. And so a musician that I have been a fan of sort of casually in that way for many years is the piano player Leon Russell. And Leon died about five or six years ago, I think now. And um, I had read, I had heard there's a great new book about Leon Russell by Bill Janovitz. And so I had picked it up, the audiobook of it, and I listened to it. And it's it's amazing. Leon Russell was like this incredible, I mean, just to give some context, he started performing professionally in 1959, and he released his last album in 2014. So a very long stretch of music, of music releases. Um backed up jerry lee lewis played in the wrecking crew on songs like be my baby by the ronettes and california girls by the beach boys was the musical director for joe cocker's famous mad dogs and englishman tour 
um, played piano on Bad Fingers Day After Day and was the piano player for George Harrison's concert for Bangladesh. Um, just the guy did everything in music. And he makes a lot of wrong decisions throughout his career and a lot of weird decisions. And he wound up, you know, going through some very, very low points and some very, very high points. But so after reading this book, I have dedicated to, I want to listen to his whole catalog. Not like I'm trying not to do it just in a month, right? Cause like I'm going to burn myself out on Leon Russell, but I decided to just go back and, and start sort of at the beginning and just see what, sort of hits me right and some of the stuff's gonna be i'm sure good some of the stuff's gonna be not so good and the first record i listened to uh from him which was he was part of a band called the asylum choir it was him and one other guy essentially um and they released their first record in 1969 and this asylum choir record is insane is um it sounds Gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. The record's called Look Inside the Asylum Choir, and it is psychedelic, but it's not really like the psychedelic that you associate with late 60s. It feels like, and I mean this in the best possible way, they just took the entirety of the 1960s musically and put it in a blender and released an album of that. So like, there are parts where it kind of feels like Frank Zappa, because Zappa did that too, right? Zappa would take little bits of different genres and throw it in there, but it mm. never quite feels as jazzy as what Zappa was doing or as irreverent as what Zappa was doing, although there is some humor here too. But it's just like this, this melange of 60s sounds, but every song has a killer melody that sticks in your head. Leon Russell is an incredible musician. I think he, he played piano and maybe some guitar or bass on it but like everything about it just every song is immaculately performed immaculately written and it's a record no one ever talks about i had to listen to it on youtube because it's not on streaming services right now um it's just a really really interesting look at the beginning of this career that would go into country and into soul and into uh bluegrass but it starts off with this like psychedelic rock stuff. And I think this might be the first record he put out w with his name on it that he wasn't just a session guy for. I'm not, I so much. This book is so thorough. I read the whole thing or listened to the whole thing rather. And like, I, it's so dense. I can't tell you the exact timeline of stuff, but this is, it's, it's really, really good. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. I think everybody could find something on this record that they, they enjoy um it didn't chart at all i think it was just like a very very um a very underground record but really really interesting and the start of an incredible recording career so yeah look inside the, the asylum choir by the asylum choir uh leon russell is the man and uh yeah that's what i have to say about that awesome yeah so uh well, thank you for listening everybody we truly appreciate it and uh, especially listening through this team right now, it's not easy to watch, let alone to listen to two guys talk about the team. Um, so thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, go to homerunapplesauce.com, patreon.com, slash homerunapplesauce to support this podcast directly. To follow Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Nixon Until next time, let's go Mets.